one of the amazing things about the New Hampshire primary and presidential politics in general is that people <laughs> come out of seemingly nowhere to have like an impact, whether it's a candidate or a journalist or anything happens. You know, for me in launching this show, Primary Source, I've gotten to know a lot of people that I never knew before. And uh, one of uh, the people I actually feel is instrumental to what we've done at NECN is Chris Ryan. Uh, Chris Ryan works in radio in New Hampshire. He is a host and general manager of WKXL in New Hampshire. I pitched a show, a political show, that I wanted to do on TV and radio. And so when we decided to scale it down and launch this show, he's the first person I called to help out with it. Um, and he welcome now to episode eight of, of the Primary Pod. Chris, I mean, what, what was it like when I called you and said, this is my idea? So I had no idea who you were. <laughs> I had Which no always idea. happens with me. I, I hate it. I had no idea what the um, what the parameters were of the concept, but I am always up for a good idea. And um, one of the great things about our our radio station is that um, when I began as general manager, um, it, the, one of the mandates I was given is that you can do pretty much anything that you want as long as it's legal and makes good fiscal sense. So, so basically, you your station, you can do whatever you want as long as it's appropriate and doesn't lose money. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. And uh, you know we're 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 very fortunate in that uh, we're owned by uh, former U.S. Senator Gordon Humphrey, and his initial project was to basically create the ultimate local radio station, which covers local issues, has all locally produced programming, and he had a, a broad vision, but. Uh, there was not the financial support for that from within the the community. So when it's I based in Concord, yeah, yeah. So when I came around, it was okay. So how do you um, turn this around and create you know good programming? And I have no background in business. Uh, I'm a journalist, and my choice was either have somebody else come in and be my boss or figure it out so that did he do it let me just interrupt yeah did he was there a job posted for the gm and you applied for it or you just no i already worked there you were already there so i was there as a a radio journalist host um and so the the prospect came of what do you you know what do you want to do do you want to do you want to be the gm and you know it was it was a pretty daunting task because of the fact that um you had zero business experience I had an idea of how the industry worked. I had done some sales stuff, as everybody does in radio before. But the challenge was figuring out exactly how to turn around the station from both a programming perspective and then lead into a um, success from, from a business perspective. So when you're – I'm all for these types of, of projects. We do all sorts of new things all the time on a – you know, from a, a sales perspective, and you know, uh, we have a, a Granite Media Solutions, which is a content creation uh, firm, essentially. And because my goal was to figure out in both traditional and non-traditional ways how to create revenue for the sure. radio station. And we were gonna we were gonna work out some sort of revenue sharing, but you know, now that I do the one hour show every day, I realize how big a project a two or three hour show would have been, right? But and I knew that I, <laughs> I knew you were gonna have some problems. <laughs> I was, it was but a I, little aggressive. <laughs> but I I figured I I figured we we would figure we would tr- it out. Figure it out. That's ba- and that's basically my philosophy on everything is. 
if I'm given a problem, I look at it as a um, an opportunity and something that I can figure out. So you know, it was it was just awesome, and I, I it was almost like faded. And 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 the interesting part is, I, I think we would have figured it out. You would have probably made some money. We would have had a heck of a lot of fun. But this is still what we've done is is really fun. And right. we, if you don't know if, if you don't know primary source on NECN, uh, Chris comes on via Skype at least two times a week, and he's stationed in New Hampshire. He has talked to every single candidate, most of them more than once. He has a personal relationship with the likes of Bernie Sanders, and has been I think you're on your fourth cycle and knows the players. And so for me, someone who has never covered a full cycle, it's just been invaluable to have Chris as a resource. Uh, but you know, so the way the way it evolved was just so organic and I, I, I think your job when people one thing we've done on the show we've, we've talked to Julia Jester and Amanda, Amanda Golden from NBC News we talked to Paul Steinhaus and a lot of people is that I'm, I'm fascinated with the career of journalism and how people get to certain places so before we talk a little primary I mean this is all part and parcel because people want to know how you get to these places and how you get these jobs and I would say I don't usually have a lot of professional jealousy and I'm not jealous of you because I love what, <laughs> I, I love what I do yeah. but the fact that you can cover all the sports you want in New England and talk politics and sort of make these decisions is an amazing amazing job i mean i'm sure you, i know you're grateful for for what you have and there's no doubt about that but when you first started doing what you're doing in concord new hampshire you probably had no clue of what you could build no uh and i knew what i wanted and i knew what quality programming was and my goal was to always have the best possible programming the best possible interviews and then build the sales stuff off of that because I had been a part of operations where it was the exact opposite, where the sales drove the right. the, the content. content. And um, which I, happens a lot more than it ever happened. Right. And so I didn't I didn't like that at all. I didn't really want to be a part of um, of that. Um, but I also didn't want to be a part of a NC where I didn't have the ability to make decisions and such. So this you're right. I mean there's there's obvious challenges and stresses that come along with running a radio station and you know, being responsible for all the different things that go along with that, particularly if you, you know, don't have a lot of um, expertise in particular, you have to delegate and, and such. Um, but I think that's, you know, for, for me, what's, I've always been driven by interests and wanting to, to learn new things and to be around individuals who are successful and pick their brains and take various things that I can bring across from the business sector to the education sector to the um, athletic sector to the political sector and see what um, and see what works. So the interviewing side of things and learning from people is actually what has allowed for me to do well in the business and human resources side of things because I am fascinated by how people do certain things. So I basically am like a poacher. Like I steal things from different people and see what works and then try to make it um, and make it better. And, you know, I find Amanda and Julia and John DeStazo from um, MUR and Paul Steinhaus, I mean, those are, are the journalists, and those are great, great journalists. And They are the everyday infantry right, of this process. Right, and so those are, they're in a different realm than, right. than I am. I am like, I, I come in with a, a parachute and just land in the spot and, and, and have things. So, but getting back to your, I mean, your point, I mean, when I first started doing 
the primary. Like I was them, but with a radio station that nobody had heard of and was scratching and clawing to, you know, grab the um, the leftovers and do brief interviews or, or try to snag things. And for me, like one of the most rewarding parts of this has been the fact that you after a long period of time and building a brand, there's a legitimacy right. that has been gained. And well, you walk in the room, you know everyone there. I mean, right. And you're a veteran now. I mean, there, there, I was going to say that you have a, a brand when it comes to presidential politics. You know, I want to a- ask one more question because I, I do. We have about five more minutes, and I want to get to. There's a limit to podcasts. We could. T- I thought we were going to well, talk. No, about I think a there's hours. a limit to what's interesting. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, like if, if you haven't heard my you know, show, then apparently, if if, if, if Dax Shepard or Will Ferrell talk for sixty minutes, I think it's okay. <laughs> if Brian Shagman, who you didn't even know existed six months ago, talks for sixty minutes, I don't think it's going to get a lot of traction. Yeah. But what, what I would say is, how is it in the other three years? What is what is life like? I mean, you're allowed, just for people listening, you, you get to cover the Celtics, Bruins, Red Sox, and Patriots as much as you want. There is still a political life in New Hampshire, but it's pretty sleepy. So what happens, you know, after November of, of 2020? The 2024 cycle. It, I mean, do people come in New Hampshire, like, within six no, months? No, but we get yeah, – then you start to speculate as to who's going to run for president, and that's not – in this particular cycle, after Donald Trump was elected, I mean, the – that – started pretty quickly because there was such a interest amongst Democrats to um, try to redo the 2016 election that there was almost instantly like, oh, who's going to run? Who's an interest right. in who's going to, to be involved? So there's there's speculation in regards to that. But yeah, we, we go back to, you know, the cryogenic freezer for <laughs> three years, and then they'll prop us back up again at the Barley House and you know, put a beer in my hand. And we'll start over again. Pints and politics. But um, no, I mean, basically, it there's this you know circus just comes to town for a year and it wipes off, you know, a lot of the um, coverage that we would normally do of the state house. But you or, don't feel used or anything. I mean, there's a sense of like I, it's it, a mutual use. Okay. Yeah. So we use them. They use us. It all. It's okay. Yeah. Doesn't it, feel, it all works. Doesn't out. feel. There's no walk of shame. It might the feel day a little. After. It might feel a little dirty, but we're all happy <laughs> at the, right, in the end. Right. Uh, listen, I want to talk about the debate coming up. Uh, you know, we have – it looks like it's going to be seven. I, uh, Tulsi Gabbard says she won't go even if she qualifies, and she's not going to qualify. Which she said the last time yeah, she went. Cory Booker can't qualify. This. I don't think it's enough qualifying polls. Yeah. So you're going to have seven. One person of color in Andrew Yang, and then the usual suspects. I mean, if people can – let me see if I can just name it off the top of my head. You have, obviously, Joe Biden, people to judge uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. You have Andrew Yang. You have Amy Klobuchar. And then you have Tom Steyer, right? That's it. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. Uh, Steyer, I will just say uh, he better do something big in this debate because basically Michael Bloomberg has taken every ounce of his support, it seems. I mean, literally, Kamala Harris aside, I mean, for, for Bloomberg to buy, spend $100 million and boom, he's at 5%. Mm-hmm. And that 5%, a lot of that's coming straight from Steyer, who's dropped off the table. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's the Steyer not, voter not, is he's different. Not, he's not there anymore. He's yeah. been 1% in a couple of polls. Yeah, but he was always – I mean, he, he polls kind of sporadically. Sometimes he's at 5 or 7, sometimes he's at 1 or 2. But the Steyer voter to me is, despite the fact that we're billionaires, are very different in okay. that Steyer is kind of a, um, you know, break up the, the system and – you know, refer, public referendum on issues, um, very progressive. And Bloomberg is more of a, hey, I'm here. I'm not, um, you know, that progressive, but I have some progressive issues. And, and Bloomberg has not 
you know, really catapulted me. He's at five percent. So, um, and he's not going to. If one of the big questions too is what they're going to do moving forward in regards to the uh, criteria for the debates, because he can't go. He's not even looking for donors. Right, he's not looking for donors, but he's polling well enough to be on the debate stage at uh, at five percent in in some. You think polls. they'll? Ch- you think this is a great question because we've had this conversation in the newsroom a hundred times. I mean, if they change the criteria for the debate, obviously that would make angry so many people who were, you know, affected by it negatively who aren't right. in the race anymore. And who knows if Cory Booker can hold on. But at the same time, I don't think so much with Deval Patrick, but with, with Michael Bloomberg, he's clearly going to be a force. Do you actually think they would change it to get him in? I, I'm going to be interested to see how they handle the debates in Iowa in New Hampshire and South Carolina leading up to it. Most of the other previous debates have been kind of nationalized debates. There's been um, criteria about how you're polling in the early primary states. But will they, I think if they change the criteria, I would only change it to allow for candidates who are, who have been competing in Iowa or polling at a certain number in Iowa to get into um the Iowa caucus because of the fact that that's where the event is right. taking place. It's the same thing with the New Hampshire primary. I don't think they're going to change the the criteria in regards to um, donors or in regards to the national. So Bloomberg won't be on a single debate. I don't. I don't think so. If if they if they stick with this, but it's what's remarkable is that the debate's coming up in January and we still have no idea. What I mean, I think that you have to lay out a roadmap that is. This is the problem they've created. <laughs> you have to lay out a roadmap that's consistent and where individuals know what the playing field is going to be. So, With enough lead time to meet those requirements. Right. So now if you go back and say, oh, you know what? We've changed things. They're, the donor threshold, eh, that's not a big deal anymore. We're just going to do polling numbers or we're going to poll. It's going to be how you poll in, in New Hampshire, how you poll in, in Iowa. Um, staff allocation, um, resource allocation, and candidate allocation is based upon a lot of different factors, but most of it is has been in this cycle making the debate stage. And um, that has nationalized the process more. And um, I think that they need to change things in order to allow for more um, ahead of Iowa and New Hampshire to allow for individuals to lower the polling threshold. Um, for those individuals who are fully invested in that state, right. like a Tulsi Gabbard in New Hampshire, for instance, who right. has basically moved there and is polling consistently between 4 and 6%. I want to ask you just lastly about the debate itself. Uh, we I can tick through the candidates right now that have – they all have flaws, right? You have Joe Biden. There's still age issues, uh, whether he is coherent enough in certain situations to convince people to vote for him, although he's really stabilized himself – and he's 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 actually strengthened in recent weeks. Uh, Bernie Sanders has done very well uh, since his heart attack and the stents have been put in, and he's even doing better in places you wouldn't expect him to be doing well. And he has a real chance to win New Hampshire, but there are still a lot of questions surrounding him and his you know s- the s- democratic socialism and the connotation and some of his policies are still too much for a lot of people. Elizabeth Warren has taken a huge hit since her rise to the top. My contention has always been that Medicare for all and the criticism that she got, then her hedge and then her numbers 
are a problem for her, and she's almost been labeled a one-issue candidate, even though she's not. And then you have Pete Buttigieg, who's been really getting hammered lately for his time at McKinsey and um, his bundling of his, fu- his fundraiser and identifying them. But he's basically given everybody that they've he's given everybody the information they've asked for, so he's right. sort of blunted that. But my point is, like, all four have uh, have some challenges, and so. Uh, with the debate stage, who do you think needs to come through the most? I mean, even if you minimize the importance of a debate, you can still get a moment that, that helps you. Ask Amy Klobuchar, who's not right. double digits in, in Iowa. It does make a difference if you do a good job. Yeah, it does. And I think that um, Bernie Sanders has given a consistent performance throughout the course of this process. And he has built a niche and the waffling of – Elizabeth Warren on Medicare for All has reinforced that niche that he is the ideologue and the uh, consistent progressive in this race. And also, you know, a fighter, an individual that's going to fight for his issues and not give in and not move. And if that's what you're looking for, Bernie Sanders has has solidified that. And I think that that's pretty significant Um, because you consider the fact that this is still, despite the fact there's four front runners, there's still you know, six, seven, eight candidates, they're going to be polling uh, decent numbers um, when, when voting begins in Iowa and in New Hampshire. So Bernie has, in my view, upwards mobility with voters perhaps coming back to him, and he has solidified himself, and he has always had a good base of, in New Hampshire, about right. 15 to 20%. So for him, it's just be him during the course of and the 25 25% could win it. Right? 25% yeah. will win it. Yeah. It, it is the first, not in New Hampshire, it's the first person 25% wins it. Huh. And he's and he's got a really good shot at that. Um, for Elizabeth Warren, she needs to figure out what exactly her candidacy is about at this point. And what is the compelling argument that she can make to the voters that she is the individual that can beat Donald Trump and that um, she is reliable in what she is saying and that she is going to deliver the things that she is uh, she's saying. She right now is caught in that no man's land between Bernie and Biden and um, not really satisfying either side. Right. I mean, listen, if you're on the fence between Warren and Biden, I mean, Warren and and Bernie, this whole last three weeks sort of solidified you toward Bernie, if that's... Right, and her whole concept has been that she is the individual that's going to fight for these, this big, progressive, bold agenda. And then a Medicare for All, when she's been pushed on it, it's, yeah, I'm going to fight for it, sort of. And like, so that's not... Um, in due time. In, in due time, I'm going to fight for this. And so that brings in a pragmatism that is the reality of the situation, to be quite honest. But how do you do that in a debate? Like, how, how is she going to, I mean, is she going to tell more stories about, you know, her, honestly, like her failed marriage? I mean, like, is she going to have to get personal and emotional or is she just going to have to be more definitive on Medicare for I, I just don't see the roadmap to achieve what you're saying. I'm not saying she's going to lose. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying she, she's going to collapse. I'm just saying I don't know what that means on the debate stage and whether she can do it in that kind of format. So I think that she needs to change the subject and needed to change the subject a while ago. Um, And the problem that candidates face when there is a pragmatism is that you end up getting caught in between, but you're actually satisfying no one. Right. Where a pragmatist and a moderate is going to look at Elizabeth Warren and say, no, it's still 
too much and you know she's still not being honest about what she can accomplish and a Bernie Sanders supporter or a you know democratic socialist or extreme progressives going to look at her and say you know she's not doing quite enough there so she needs to reintroduce herself again and show folks why um, she is the individual that can bring this across the finish line where she's progressed. And I would say that the argument I would make is that she is a strong progressive, but a pragmatist and hope that that works for her. And so Bernie is too much. Joe Biden's not enough. And Pete Buttigieg is not enough. I have a strong progressive agenda, but I know how to accomplish it. And this, and there is a pragmatism and a nuance that is required that Bernie just doesn't get. And the others are um, weak. Makes sense. Last question. Took me like eight minutes to no, figure out. Fun, no, to figure out what she it, was going to do. But it's good. It, it, well said. We got yeah. we got you there. We're two months out. I'm going to play the parlor game, even if you don't want to. At this point, where you sit, who do you think is going to win the state? Bernie. Yeah, I think that Bernie is going to win because um, I feel that he has a groundswell of support that was there. And I feel that with his consistency and the fact that there is not really any wavering, there's no um, you know, bombshell that's going to drop about Bernie, I don't think. Um, and individuals you know, who are running in this race feel like they can just kind of let him go. It's kind of the same thing happened with Trump, where um, everybody kind of just cast him aside and said, oh, it's a sideshow and it's never gonna, he's never going to win. And all of a sudden he did. And I feel like Bernie is in kind of in that same realm where Warren's looking at Buttigieg. Uh, everybody looks at Biden and says that he's former vice president, and there's the numbers uh, be, are consistently, you know, in his uh, favor still. Um, but I think that Bernie is just kind of lurking there and is going to be able to bring supporters home. And if you look at the polls right now in New Hampshire, you wouldn't know it um, based upon you know how often candidates are talked about, but he's winning. Yeah, and and the thing that's fascinating about and that, and he's second in Iowa, and that's been the biggest surprise uh, in the last week or so. And I would just end why that's fascinating. If Bernie were to win New Hampshire, and some people say he has to to stay in the race, but in 2016 it was just him and Hillary. Now with such a splint- he'll stay in the race with regardless. such a splintered race, yeah. winning New Hampshire will give him more momentum than mm-hmm. it did last time because uh, outside of Biden's strength in South Carolina, there'll be pockets of strength from a bunch of different candidates, and it's there's a chance that an outright win would be huge for his momentum. The thing, too, is that should not be underrated is that Bernie is a huge celebrity and a huge name. And as individuals, you know, as we moved into Super Tuesday and into states where people haven't really been paying attention, Bernie has a, um, a brand that people know and they understand. They either like it or they don't like it. But he has a, an authenticity, which is legit and he's also changed in this campaign and that he is showing uh, much more of a humor a much more of a soft side yeah. and um i think that uh that that's pretty that's pretty significant where I, I didn't know and i was critical of whether or not bernie was going to be able to you know reboot and change right bernie's you not were asking the, why just right. like everybody else right bernie's not a Bernie is is not really you know, a touchy feely like let's take a picture and yep. let's hang out and talk about how your your grandmother has gout and yeah, how right. your you know your kids are driving nuts. He Bernie's wants like to talk policy and move on. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and this campaign was going to demand a little more of that, and he has met that challenge. He was dancing with folks. He is he's having fun, and that's significant. Even, even a video of him showing his campaign manager how to make a fire was that was great. It was great. The yeah. thing is, I don't. 
I don't talk about my own views on policies very much, but you know, he doesn't match up with a lot that I think is necessarily the right way to go. But I will tell you that there's no candidate who's earned my respect more in this process than Bernie Sanders. Like, and anyone I've said this on this podcast too. Anyone who assails his patriotism is just not watching the game. This guy is just. You might not agree with his views. You might think it's socialism is bad for America, but he he loves the people of this country and he thinks it's the right way to go. And if if you if you think that that's wrong, that's one thing. If you think that he's bad for America, I'm sorry, you just ha- you haven't been watching. He has an idea of America that is different than other people's idea of America, and his idea is um, you know based upon working class values and an America that works for everyone, and. Um, that does have a socialist element to it, and that's why he's a democratic socialist. But yeah, I agree with you. When people say, when people say that he's not patriotic or he's not, um, you know, his values aren't American. Um, no, his values are different than your values, but his values are, you know, American values. Um, the fact that he can view say them at all is so American, right? You know, and that's what we are. And so, I, you know, that's kind of the insight and the things that we learn on the trail and uh and we'll see what happens i think that bernie call is really interesting and we'll check back in a month to see chris ryan from wkxl in new hampshire thanks for joining us here on the primary pod appreciate it